Hey guys, it's Dr. Childs. Today I want to talk about uh, thyroid patients and energy levels or um, why thyroid patients uh, deal with fatigue so frequently. So um, in order to have this discussion, we kind of need to lay down some, um, uh, some framework here um, because you need to understand why people experience the subjective symptom of fatigue or low energy. Um, and it turns out that uh, fatigue or you know having low energy is really a non-specific symptom. Um, it, it it's something that can be caused by multiple factors, and so it's kind of nebulous if you go into a, a physician or a provider and you say, "Look, I'm I'm dealing with low energy." There, it's kind of like you have to do some digging in order to even understand where to start. Now, if you have hypothyroidism or or known hypothyroidism, I should say, um, the digging becomes a lot easier. Okay, and that's actually a really good thing. So. Presumably, if you're listening to this, you probably know that you have a diagnosis of hypothyroidism, which means we already have some, uh, we already know where we need to be looking. So um, basically, why does it, why, why do thyroid patients, um, why are they more prone to developing this fatigue? And why is it kind of, why is it so difficult to treat? Why is it that um, when you replace the thyroid hormone that's supposed to be uh, deficient in your body with something like level thyroxine, why then do you still experience the this fatigue? Um, and to answer that, we need to talk about all the, the various causes that, um, various causes of fatigue in, in hypothyroid patients. So number one is thyroid hormone, um, or I should say a deficiency in thyroid hormone, causes nutrient deficiencies like vitamin B12. And so you probably know, um, or at least very familiar with the fact that vitamin B12 is felt to be one of the um, quote unquote um, energy vitamins, right? There, there's a reason that vitamin B12 is, is in all sorts of energy drinks. It's in um, all sorts of energy supplements. And the reason is because B12, well, I mean, I could talk to you, but, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but probably one of the main reasons is its role in mitochondrial energy production. And if you listen to my other videos, you know why that's important. So thyroid hormone, how it fits in here is adequate levels of thyroid hormone is required for optimal B12 absorption. So if you're hypothyroid, you're going to be B12 deficient, period. Okay. Now, the interesting thing is here, if you simply replace, um, thyroid hormone in your body with like level thyroxine that doesn't magically replete your vitamin b12 stores right it's it doesn't work that way so um for some things it does and now yes okay yes you might start absorbing a little bit more of it but generally speaking you're still going to have whatever deficiency you you um you started with prior to taking the medication okay so that's number one um number two is that most causes of hypothyroidism um are at least in the United States, I can't speak to other other countries, but most cases of hypothyroidism are caused by autoimmune thyroiditis. Okay, and these conditions uh, result in inflammation, and inflammatory states themselves can reduce energy production. They can kind of slow. I, I want you to think of it sort of like as a slowing down of the system. And so I know that's a very unscientific word, but what it's meant to mean is that um, if you think of your body as a machine, um, and, and one that has uh, it has a uh, uh, various degrees of efficiency. So what I mean by that is, is an optimal machine runs at 100%, right? Um, but but a lot of us are probably really running at 90% efficiency or 80% efficiency or even 70% efficiency. So any factor that reduces the efficiency of the system is going to reduce the amount of energy production that 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 um, um, is being produced. Yeah, it's going to reduce... Um, it's going to change enzymatic production. It's going to change a lot of different factors, which just sort of gunk up that system. And so that's what I want you to think of it as. And one of the things that reduces 
uh, or reduces the efficiency of the entire system is inflammation. And autoimmune states and autoimmune conditions are driven by inflammation. They're prim- I mean, right? Like you, this should be um, this should be clicking to you because you know, autoimmune immunity is in there. Um, I mean, the inflammation and the immune system are go hand in hand. So that's why this kind of goes together. Now, yeah, this uh, this concept is well known. Exactly why it happens is not really well known because we know that, for instance, we know that um, enzymes. That certain things can upregulate the efficiency of an enzyme or downregulate the efficiency of an enzyme. So, and this can happen in your mitochondria. It can happen from inflammation. It can happen from nutrient deficiency, etc. But let's just bypass all that and just just think of it as the efficiency system that I described previously. So, num- that was number two. Number three is that thyroid hormone directly influences your metabolism. And what I mean by metabolism is your basal me- metabolic rate um, and or your resting energy expenditure. And it does this by mediating mitochondrial energy production. We've talked about this before, but the thyroid hormone that, that mediates this is, is T3, not T4. It, it, so T4, if you're taking level thyroxine as a T4 medication, it must be converted to T3 in order to be activated. And if you're not converting T4 to T3, then you're not getting the benefit of that mitochondrial um, function because it's mediated through T3, right? Hopefully that's making sense. Hopefully you understand about, um, hopefully you understand about thyroid conversion. Um, and then the other thing is, and this is maybe, maybe even more important than the other three, but again, these are all kind of, they all go together. Um, this one would be that hypothyroidism results in various hormonal changes that worsen fatigue. Um, and let's see, do I talk about these things? I don't talk about them all at least not here. So I'll just make a quick mention of these. So for instance, one of them and probably the most obvious would be there are studies that link the, um, your TSH, which is a, you know, it can be, uh, or at least somewhat, uh, correlated with your, um, um, the amount of thyroid hormone that's being produced in your body. There are studies that show as TSH rises, which means you're in a hypothyroid state, um, your cortisol will change as well. So that's one instance where, um, your thyroid hormone directly influences, or at least indirectly through some way, uh, changes other hormones in your body. This isn't even the only one. Another example would be leptin. Um, so leptin is is a hormone that's secreted from your fat cells, which uh, feed, feeds back to your brain and, and helps set your metabolism, helps set your appetite, helps set kind of the energy level of your body, how much energy you're going to produce, how much you're going to consume, and it kind of balances that system out. And so obviously if there's any dysregulation in that system, it's going to manifest as a change in energy because you're 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 you as a an organism, you as a human or you as an efficient machine, you're not going to want to consume or you're not going to want to um uh use more energy than is necessary. So your body's going to match those things and that's how this this all kind of fits together. So Bottom line is, at least through four different mechanisms, thyroid hormone results in low energy levels. All right, and so the uh, like I said before, and I mentioned this at the very beginning, one of the most important aspects of this is not that this occurs. We know that it occurs. The more important aspect is just giving you thyroid hormone doesn't change these things. It doesn't increase your B12, right? It doesn't reduce the inflammation associated with autoimmune thyroiditis. It doesn't fix your metabolism, right? It doesn't unless you're converting correctly. And it does not reverse any hormone imbalance that existed. So you have the situation in which I can give you this T4, this T4 thyroid hormone or whatever. I mean, this could even, this is even true of natural desiccated thyroid. And I, you know, I kind of, I sit back in my chair and I, you know, kind of uh, wash my hands. I'm like, you're fixed. Well, no, not exactly. Not, that's, that's so far from the truth. And that explains why so many, well, at least in part, why probably so many hypothyroid patients are unhappy with their treatment because they're, they're kind of left to believe that that's it, right? 
take the thyroid hormone and boom, you're done. Well, it, that that's not the truth. You got to fix these other problems. So in cases where you're, this would be related to B12, you have to fix, you have to give back B12. And predominant, well, usually, and I, I do think I, I talk about this in, in this, and I don't want to go over this in this video, otherwise it'll be really long. But um, in my opinion, replacing things, <clears throat> replacing B12 that's lost with B12 shots is superior to that of oral or sublingual forms. And so there's kind of, li there's little nuances like that which make a big difference in, in helping patients get um, to where they need to be. Now, I do want to talk about um, support your adrenals and cortisol levels here, uh, at least real quick. And, and the reason for this is I, I don't know that I have ever met a, a hypothyroid or patient or a patient with Hashimoto's thyroiditis or another autoimmune thyroiditis condition who had sufficient energy levels, um, which means that this is, this is a really good opportunity. And I, I, don't, I don't mean to say that this is the most important um, I don't think that's true, but I do think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not at least addressing um, adrenal function with an adaptogen, okay? And I will talk just briefly about the symptoms of HPA dysregulation, or this is sometimes referred to as uh, adrenal fatigue. I don't use that term because um, I just don't think it's an accurate term, really, to be honest with you, um, because I think it's it's better to look at what's happening at the level of cortisol and then treat that condition. But however you want to, however you feel is best to describe it, this is kind of the this um, it's kind of on the spectrum. So what what symptoms? Uh, what are the symptoms that may indicate that there's some HPA dysregulation in your body? So let's go over those. So number one would be fatigue, especially upon awakening in the morning. That's not normal, especially if you get a good night's sleep. You shouldn't wake up and feel tired. I mean, that kind of goes without saying, but we'll say it anyway. Uh, the second, is, and that's actually fairly common among hypothyroid patients. Um, second is you get uh, abnormal energy levels throughout the day, especially at weird times. So um, I like to describe this as having a second wind at night right before sleep. And I'll be, I'll talk to patients and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like, I, I just have heard enough of these stories that I kind of have an idea of how people are going to present. So I'll, I'll say, you know, I just start asking them and I'm like, well, you know, what's your energy like? Well, it's really low, you know, it's, it's low all day. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, do you, do you have a crash in the middle of the day sometimes? Yeah, yeah, I have a crash at like 2 to 3 p.m. I'm like, okay, well, wh how's your energy at night? Does it, does it go up? Yeah, yeah, it goes up. I mean, this is very common among among people and, and this is felt to be at least in part due to this HPA dysregulation. So along with that, so obviously if you're going to have your second wind, if you're going to have more energy at night, it's going to be difficult to sleep. So difficulty with sleep or insomnia. And this, this vicious cycle occurs in which patients will be super fatigued in the morning. They will rely upon caffeine to get them through the day, at least through the morning. They'll crash about 2 to 3 p.m. And I'm just like mid-afternoon, they'll crash. They'll go for another cup of coffee or an energy drink or something like that. They'll kind of rally. They'll be really fatigued around 6, 7 p.m. They'll eat. Then 8, 9, 10 p.m. rolls around and boom, their energy is back up. And so guess what happens? And they don't go to bed until 1 or 2 a.m. And then they get back up at 6 a.m. Repeat, rinse and repeat over and over and over again. That's not a good thing. That's not a good cycle to be in. Um, so another another big thing is the inability to tolerate stressful situations. You know if you're in that because... Well, you know how your body's handled stress over time. If, if previously you were able to tolerate stress better than you are now, well, then that's a pretty good, pretty um, good, good sign that you're not tolerating it very well now. Um, the next one, another one would be weight gain or the inability to lose weight. This is a, this is kind of nonspecific, but it, it does go with cortisol um, dysregulation. Increased uh, cravings for certain foods, especially carbs and refined sugars. Yeah, this this is, I wouldn't say is specific, but it, people do experience this. And then this one's this one is probably a little more specific, but it's the reliance upon caffeine or other stimulants as a pick me up. And by the way, this this can include um, 
uh, prescription medications like ADD medication, right? So there's a lot of patients who, who take it and that, that's a, that's an even worse cycle. So let's say you get, you know, you have this insomnia, you have this, the, the fatigue that I talked about that, that, um, um, that cycle that we were talking about before. And not only are you using fatigue, you're using caffeine to boost your energy, but you're now you're also using ADD medication. That's a, that's a recipe for, um, disaster down the road. You are definitely going to crash at some point. You, you can't sustain that indefinitely. So what do you do? Um, and in an attempt to try and keep this a little bit shorter, I, I'll talk about some of the ways that you want to look at this, but we'll go into this in a little more detail, probably some future um, videos here. But really what you want to do is you need to assess your cortisol um, so you can figure out what it is. And, and the way I kind of break it up is into three main categories. You have low normal cortisol, right? So this is all this is all variations of um, the cortisol spectrum because I believe, just uh, kind of winging it off the top of my head here, but usually serum cortisol levels anyways range from something like 8, eight to 24. Um, and so you kind of have to, uh, doctors aren't really impressed unless your cortisol is basically zero or unless it's like 50, right? There's, there's They don't really care if it's anywhere in between there, but the truth is it matters. So if you want to look at this, you want to look at, um, you want to determine if it's a low normal, a normal and still symptomatic or or a high normal. So the way that we would break that up is anything like I would consider a kind of a normal 8 a.m. cortisol serum anyway. This is different if we start going into urinary tests and such, but somewhere between the range of 14 to 16, anything less than a, you know, 12 or so and anything greater than than 18 to 20 is would be that low normal or high normal. So you have to figure out where you lie on that spectrum. Now, the way and then then you can kind of identify how to which adrenal supplements to take. Now, I generally would recommend, at least for hypothyroid patients, um, adrenal supplements of some sort. Now, I tend to be a fan of adrenal adaptogens, and you can kind of determine where to go from there. So if the cortisol, this is kind of a baseline, you're going to want some adrenal adaptogens, and you know that would be something like ashwagandha or rhodiola, the, those type of things. So you've probably heard about those before, and they need to be in a high enough dose, by the way, um, and yeah, we'll talk about those later. Uh, the other thing is uh, you can consider the use of adrenal glandulars, um, usually for more severe cases. And then the other thing you want to consider is, and this, so this would be like if your cortisol is actually low. And then if your cortisol is quite high, then you, you want to do things to bring it back down to normal. And there's very few things that do that, but one of those things is phosphatidylserine. Um, so you can get so, soy-free versions of this supplement um, to kind of manage your cortisol. Now, there are a lot of other things, but these are probably the most important. So I'll kind of, I'll kind of end that here, but um, we can talk about a bunch of other um, um, treatments for uh, thyroid fatigue, but um, we'll, we'll kind of stop here. So hopefully this was helpful to you. If you have any questions regarding, you know, how to assess your fatigue or, you know, what to do about it, leave them in the comments below. Um, I'll try to get to any questions that you have, but just know that it is, it is more complex than most people probably realize. And that's not a bad thing. It just means that it's going to take a little bit more than probably just taking your thyroid medication. Although I will say that is an important aspect as well. So anyways, hope you guys found this uh, helpful and I'll talk to you guys again uh, probably tomorrow.